folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Minnesota Timberwolves final score 109 to 80 in a dominating game one performance. What an exciting thing for this Nuggets team to be able to go through. What an exciting thing for Nuggets fans to be able to go through as everything. I think people felt a little bit nervous heading into this game. Uh, not, Not surprisingly so. I think lots of Nuggets fans felt excited, of course, but this is just one of those moments where I, I think if you are a fan, you get to look back on very fondly and say, yeah, they told us. They told us exactly what they're about. They told us exactly who they are. And that is a very, very exciting prospect. Uh, again, I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn. Uh, make sure to go follow my work at NBA Blackburn on Twitter as well as the Mile High Sports page uh, where we do, I'm doing recaps and in these detailed uh, recaps of these games. I was at the arena last night until about uh, 1 a.m. I, I certainly wasn't the last person there. there. There are a lot of media folks. All right, well, I guess let's, let's get into it now. Let's talk about this awesome win. Uh, the Denver Nuggets dominate in their 109-80 win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, this was a great performance where all you had to do was watch the first really four minutes of this game to understand where the Nuggets were going to be. And I thought they brought the requisite energy, intensity, discipline to the game. And the Timberwolves fought back for a while. Like, there's no doubt about it. I thought about the maybe the majority of the first half the Timberwolves were in this game, clearly, Denver was the better team, but the Timberwolves were certainly in this game. And if not for Nikola Jokic, then Denver might might be in a little bit more world of trouble. Uh, Jokic was fantastic in the first half. The stats aren't really going to show it, but 13 points. He had five assists in the first half, only had one assist and I think four rebounds in the second half among the stats that he actually accumulated outside of the steal. And this was a really strong Jokic performance. I know that the, like, the numbers aren't going to show it, but the way that he got the team into their stuff in the first half, the way that he aggressively attacked Rudy Gobert the way and, and Carl Anthony Towns, when he got switched on to Kyle Anderson or they decided to guard him with Kyle Anderson, he dominated that matchup. And and I don't think he really struggled that much. Uh, This was as long as the Nuggets could get him the ball in those situations, the Timberwolves, they couldn't really put Kyle Anderson on him for prolonged periods of time. Uh, This was a definitive game one performance from Nikola and his ability on the offensive end to at least get Denver through the time where Murray wasn't really playing well Michael Porter wasn't hitting his outside shots. Uh, this was fantastic. Fantastic stuff from Nikola. Uh, missed a couple free throws that he probably should have hit. Uh, there were a couple of misses on the offensive end. He only shot 50% from the field, but he did rebound a couple of his misses and then put them back in for uh, layups. So the 6 of 12 is a little bit, um, not disingenuous, but like misleading. 
That's what I'm trying to say. And the game that he had, where, where you have as much pressure on you as you do, and you have six assists to one turnover, and then the plus 15, where his defense was really good in this game. It wasn't perfect. There are still sets and still still times during that game where he could have been better. And I think that the Timberwolves had some good actions where they took advantage of his lack of mobility and space. Uh, I'm specifically thinking of a time in the first quarter where they went to Conley and Kyle Anderson in the pick and roll while Jokic was defending Anderson. And Anderson actually had some success there. But those are adjustments. Those are things that I don't think the Timberwolves can do for the entire time and be sustainable. They're going to have to keep Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards involved. Like You can't just run Mike Conley and Kyle Anderson sets the entire time that Jokic is out there. Like It's just a little bit different. And I am very interested to see what those Game 2 adjustments for the Timberwolves are going to be. But I just posted this stat on Twitter before going live here. 96.3 points per 100 possessions allowed while Jokic is out there on the court. When Jokic wasn't out there, it was 70. So even like like drastically better. But 96.3 is fantastic. That's a really, really great number. The numbers that are mostly in in the regular season right now were about 110 in, in terms of a pretty decent defensive performance. So... For Jokic to be at 96.3 and then for the Nuggets to level up in the moments without him, that's the formula. That's the formula that you have to have. You have to be good when Jokic is on the floor defensively and great when he's off the floor. And the Timberwolves aren't exactly the best offensive team. Like they, Their process isn't very good. They aren't very focused. And I do think that they'll be better going forward. But it's not a surprise that this is what actually happened in those opening moments. Jamal Murray did not like the way that Jamal opened the game. I thought that he, like he said that he was nervous. He said that he had a lot of adrenaline going and that's not really a surprise given that this is his first playoff game in over 900 days since he tore the ACL Uh, back in the bubble was the last time he was out there. And I think he knows that the expectations on him are super high. (laughs) Like 24 points, eight rebounds, eight assists in a playoff return is pretty good. And it wasn't until the fourth quarter, really, though, that he he settled in fully, where he was in control of the moments, shooting efficiently, getting to the spots that he needed to get to and hitting the shots that he needed to hit. Those were great moments. And for him to play that well uh, in, in this situation was a really good sign. Now, the Timberwolves don't really have anybody to guard him that much. Like, Nikhil Alexander-Walker will do a pretty decent job on him. Like, there, there's something to be said there. But I thought that some of the decisions that Jamal made in the first half where he's he turned a fast break into a post-up fadeaway over Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and I'm not really sure why. Uh, I think he was wired a little bit too tightly at the beginning of that game and then loosened up, played a little bit more free, and made, I think, better decisions as a result of it. Uh, but even though he wasn't shooting the ball well, Eight rebounds, eight assists, just one turnover, had one block. His defense last game or last night was really good. And and I think that's one of the big questions that Nuggets fans had is that there were times where Jamal was the weak link defensively this year. And for him to be able to step up in this manner, level his game up just along with the rest of the team, along with Jokic and everybody else on, on the defensive end, 
that's a great sign. Uh, he said post game, I'm pretty sure that that was the most locked in the team has been uh, was this last week. This last week of preparation was as locked in as the team has ever been, and that's an exciting thing. Like this team, I think feels very seriously about it, and I think Jamal really matched that energy. And though he was pretty tight in terms of his actual shooting efficiency, like five of twelve from two is probably not good enough, but Four of 10 from three, he saved it with some threes, especially in that fourth quarter. That's the way that he can be great. So he's got to bomb away from three. He's got to take advantage of those moments and pick and choose his spots when attacking from two. He doesn't have to go so hard attacking from two, I don't think. But plus 24 kind of says it all. Like when he was out there, the team was really good. Michael Porter, 18 points on 17 shots. Again, wasn't his most efficient performance, but he saved it, especially in that second half, with a four of nine from three shooting performance. And it was one of five at one point. But getting four, getting to four of nine in a game where you start one of five, that's that's the sign of a great shooter, where you just keep shooting. You just you know that those shots are going to go in as long as you have good process. And I thought Michael Porter had great process in this one. Uh, the team was looking for him. Jamal was specifically looking for him too, but uh, the opener of the game, like Nicola was in the post against Carl Anthony Towns and swung the ball over to Michael Porter on multiple occasions, trying to get him some open shots. And he got one in the corner and that's exactly what you want to see. You want Michael Porter to get going. And, and though he wasn't perfect from the outside, getting to four of nine is fantastic. Like that's just elite shooting right there. And the thing that really stands out, though, is that the 11 rebounds that he had, he said post game that rebounding was something that he wants to focus on in this playoff run. And for him to come out and, and say it like that, like, hey, this is something that I'm targeting. This is something that I'm going to try to do. Uh, that's super cool. Like, that's that's the sign of some maturity. That's the sign of a player who knows what his role is on this team and is going to fill it to a T. He's six foot ten, and some of the athletic rebounds that he had and the dunks that he had, he showed out. He showed out in a big, big way. And, and, and to see him being that athletic in a game like this, that's really exciting for, for a team that I don't know if they ever knew that his athleticism would come back. But to see where he was in game one of the regular season versus game one of the playoffs, it is night and day. And that's probably like that's probably the most encouraging thing from last night was that Murray and Porter, they started off struggling, but turning things around in the second half, especially when the game really was in hand, but Denver hadn't shot that well, and Murray and Porter hadn't shot that well, and they turned this into a pretty solid shooting performance. You know that they could shoot even better. And so Denver's got some, they've got some leeway to continue to push higher. So really, really exciting stuff. Aaron Gordon, Early foul trouble last game had or last night had three fouls in ten minutes. Two of them kind of soft guarding Carl Anthony Towns, uh, especially in that second quarter. Michael Malone initially tried to save him from a shooting foul when he put in DeAndre Jordan at the end of the first quarter. Obviously, put DeAndre back in in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, and, and DeAndre I thought played pretty well. We'll talk about him in just a bit. But AG still picked up those three fouls had to go sit for basically the rest of the half. And Denver did some interesting things with their rotation where they brought in Christian Brown and slid Michael Porter to the four. And that worked extremely well. I feel 
good about that lineup as a as a good combination that Denver can go to going forward. But the big deal here, 13 points, 3 of 7 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 5 of 6 from the free throw line. Talk about a locked-in shooting Aaron Gordon. Like, holy cow. Denver got a lot of good things going last night. And the most important things were Jamal Murray and Michael Porter kind of figuring out their offense. Probably, Actually, probably the most important thing was the 80 points allowed on defense. And Aaron Gordon was a big part of that. But for him to also hit two threes and hit five free throws out of six, great sign. Great sign of where, where he's at mentally and, and the, the rest and the recovery that he got. And I actually like that he only played 23 minutes. I'll talk about that in the third segment a little bit. But 23 minutes, save his body a little bit. He had to guard Carl Anthony Towns and did a great job doing so. Uh, he's a great matchup against Cat. There's no other way around it for the T-Wolves. I think that the Nuggets should mirror Cat's minutes with Aaron Gordon. Try to get him on there as often as possible. Make his life hell. Because Aaron is strong enough, athletic enough, quick enough, and big enough to, I think, do everything you want against Cat. Like, just make his life hell. And, and that's going to be a great key for Denver this entire series. And finally, in the starting lineup, KCP. True vet KCP. Just everything you needed from him in terms of the actual stability, in terms of the outside shooting, in terms of the veteran presence. He was running the floor in transition, filling lanes, getting to the corners, and he hit some big shots in both the first and the second half. The biggest shot of the night, probably, was when Denver went up 25. It was 81 to 56. And I was talking to Jake Shapiro and Rachel V. Uh, v. Hill uh, of uh, Denver Sports. And they were both like, yeah, Denver got to 81 points at that point, And then Minnesota never crossed that threshold again. And the reason that Denver got to 81 at that moment was because of a really nice transition opportunity where ball swung to Michael Porter. Michael Porter sets a bounce pass to KCP in the corner right in front of the T-Wolves bench. Drains it, goes from 22 to 25. And KCP just did exactly what he needed to do. And that's a really exciting prospect for Denver. He hadn't shot the ball that well from three-point range during that month of March and, and into a little bit of April, but him getting right in Utah in game 81 of the season, really great sign. And now he just looks like he's perfectly in rhythm, did exactly what the Nuggets needed him to do from the three-point line and uh, filled his role to a T and defended Anthony Edwards well. It's just a lot of exciting stuff from KCP. And Denver, I think, has, has a lot to be excited about with this starting lineup. Uh, just going through the plus-minuses. Plus 21 for KCP, plus 15 for AG, plus 22 for MPJ, plus 24 for Murray, and plus 15 for Jokic. Now, the plus 15s, the two numbers were because of foul trouble. I think if those guys were out there, Jokic and AG, Denver would be even better. And so there is a lot of excitement about the starting unit. They just have, it's a, it's a better unit than anything that I think the Timberwolves can throw out there. So as long as Denver approaches it from that way, should be really, really exciting for where Denver's going to go from here. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench lineup a little bit and, and just everything that went into the non-Jokic minutes. Uh, but some there, And there are some extra minutes there as well that should be really, really exciting. But first, 
Everybody, baseball is back, and the push for postseason is on for hockey and hoops. Make it all count this spring with our good friends at Superbook. Uh, Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around, and with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pick Action Roll. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Hope everybody that's in here had no idea what happened at the at the beginning of this podcast. I'm uh, I'm producing on my own today uh, without Michael, and I had a big old big old mishap at the beginning. But look, it is what it is. Sometimes you just got to deal with it. And look, I mean, I think everybody's just happy that Denver got a win, and that they'll they'll live with a little technical difficulties here or there. And we'll we'll edit this in post. Don't don't you worry. Uh, but the Nuggets get a massive win last night. Final score of that, 109-80. to 80. Allowing 80 points in a game is just crazy. And, and I think a big credit for that has to go to the bench. The bench lineup, and it's always been a little bit shaky, but the one thing that I think Nuggets fans can really take solace with is that when everybody's locked in and athletic and playing well and not hurt, that the groups that Denver can throw out there bring a lot to the table defensively. Murray played some of his best defense of the season last night, and I don't know if he's going to be able to do that for the entire playoffs. I think that Denver should try to find some times where they can win with offense as much as defense uh, because it's a little bit easier on the body. But Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff Green played great defense last night. Aaron Gordon played great defense last night. And then DeAndre Jordan, for the brief time that he got in, it was a really, really exciting prospect for Denver. Uh, the minutes where Carl Anthony Towns was out there, Denver dominated. Like, Cat was not very good. And it's kind of a surprise. Like, I didn't really expect that to happen. I, did, I didn't expect them to be as successful as they were. And it certainly wasn't because of the offensive end. I still think that Jamal has some things to figure out on the offensive end. I think Bruce Brown played a great game, but he's going to have some things to figure out. Christian Brown only attempted one shot. Jeff Green missed all his threes. But Denver has some signs there. And if their foundation is always going to be defense with this group, then they are in a good place. Because defense, if it travels, if it's always with you, then you don't need to do a whole bunch extra in order to tie those minutes or win them. And Denver doesn't even really need to tie them. If their starting lineup is going to be as good as it is, where it's like at least plus 15 across the board, you just can't be a minus 15. And Denver wasn't. They were a big plus, and that's just a really, really exciting place to be. Uh, Jamal in the first half was a lot different than in the second half. I thought in that fourth quarter where the basically the game was already set, I think Jamal entered the fourth quarter with 12 points and then finished with 24. So him figuring some stuff out in that final quarter was really, really good. And him finding ways to 
get open from three to generate some good shots. Uh, that's exciting. That's a, that's a great place for Denver to be because they're going to need that, like especially down the line. They're going to need him to be a focal point of their offense because if a team loads up to Jokic, you need somebody out there that can also direct traffic, can also go off, and, and I think that Murray definitely qualifies there. So we'll see what it looks like going forward, but that was an exciting piece of this. Bruce Brown, we'll talk about Bruce Brown now. Only eight shot attempts for Bruce Brown, but he had 14 points because of how efficient he was. The two threes that he hit, one of them I'm pretty sure was in the right corner, uh, just like where he's shooting a crazy percentage on the year. I think the splits are 50% from three in the right corner and then 13% from three in the left corner. And that's a fantastic stat. It's also not great from a scouting perspective, but... Because a, a team's going to know that they have to guard Bruce really tightly in the right corner and not as tightly in the left. But in one of the threes that he had, he just, he had Rudy Gobert on him on the left wing and just turned around, realized, okay, he's giving me a lot of space. I'm just going to pull up from three. And he cans it right over Rudy Gobert in that third quarter, right in front of the T-Bulls bench. That was an exciting thing. He He's a trash talker as well. He is definitely going to tell everybody exactly how good he is as a shooter from three. Uh, Man, like, Bruce has been such a good fit in general. I criticize some of what he does, and I've been hard on him because you know how important he has to be for Denver. But there was a play in that first half where he grabs a rebound and takes it the, the length of the floor while being guarded full court. And he takes the bump from Jordan McLaughlin, throws up a prayer at the backboard, and it drops through for an and one. And the crowd went crazy in that, I think it was in that first quarter. And just really good stuff from Bruce Brown on both ends of the floor. He's not a perfect matchup defensively when it comes to Anthony Edwards. But against Mike Conley, I think that Bruce has a lot of good things that he can do. Now, Bruce did get scored on a couple times on Mike Conley's step-back threes. But as long as he can kind of read that a little bit better going forward and make those shots a little bit more difficult, I think that Denver's in a great spot. I think that Bruce Brown is in a great spot where he can play a bunch of minutes. But for him to be as effective as he is on the offensive end, only one turnover last night, plus 11, uh, the defense is always going to be there. But the offense, if he continues to hit outside shots, and, and if he continues to drive the lane, there were some spinning floaters that he had. Like there was one, I think, bad pass from Jamal, or at least kind of a bad setup from Jamal that put Bruce into a tough position where he had to shoot a spinning, jumping floater. And he canned it. How funny is that? That everybody's talking about the Bruce Brown floater. I've been talking about the Bruce Brown floater and how it has been good this year. Lo and behold, makes it in the playoffs because he's a gamer, because that's just what he does. And I hope that that continues throughout the entire playoffs because if he can hit a really good percentage on his floaters this year, at least in this playoff run, then Denver's got a great shot because they're going to need 14 points from Bruce Brown here or there. Uh, They didn't fully need it tonight or last night, but they're going to need it at various points. Christian Brown. Oh, Christian Brown. (laughs) This was a, uh, I mean, holy cow, guys, like, Christian Brown is going to be a cult hero in Denver, especially if he's if he helps them win a championship this year. It's going to be a big reason why is Christian Brown. Like, 
19 minutes last night and only took one shot, missed a cup, missed a free throw after the flagrant foul that he had against Kyle Anderson. But his defense is unbelievable. Like, it's it's probably the best defense on the team, and it's a big reason why the Nuggets were they had a 70 net or a 70 defensive rating when Jokic was off the floor. It's because Christian Brown was out there just guarding everything, just absolutely smothering Kyle Anderson, of all people. And, like, you have that. You have uh, him switching on to Anthony Edwards. You have or even guarding Anthony Edwards straight up. You have him switching on to different people, switching on to Cat. I know he got scored on once by Cat, but, like, that's not a surprise. The fact that he made Cat work for it as hard as he did, that's a good sign. Christian Brown's going to be working hard. And for him to step up in that moment and be as good of a defender as he has been gives Denver such a legitimate advantage in their defensive calculus. Like, they are going to be able to put him on just about everybody. And the reason why they can run the switching scheme that they ran was because they have a connector in Christian Brown at 6'7", who can defend up and defend down the lineup. That's a great thing for the Nuggets going forward. And if, if it's against the Timberwolves, if it's in a future round, Denver's going to be playing Christian Brown a lot, even if he's not scoring. Like He had three points and was a plus 12 because the impact that he was making was really, really good. And he grabs the, like, a couple offensive rebounds. He finds ways to impact the game on, on both ends of the floor. And for him to be as poised as he was in the moment that he was, like, that's, a, that's just a great sign. Denver's getting a gamer in Christian Brown and friend of the program. Like he's a, it was not a surprise to me that he played as well as he did. And he's going to play even better going forward because he's going to just continue gaining more confidence as long as he, especially at home, like he's going to take that, he's going to feed off that energy at home, getting the crowd going and him stepping up to Kyle Anderson and not letting him shoot the, the jumper that he did after the play. And Kyle Anderson getting frustrated at him, that's a great sign. Like, Denver is very mentally tough this year. I really do believe that. And I know that the T-Wolves aren't a great example because they had people punching each other. Uh, They had people punching walls. But I do think that Christian Brown is one of those mentally tough guys that is going to be ready for this moment. And he displayed that pretty clearly last night. Jeff Green. O of three from three, uh, missed. I don't remember what the two pointer he was that that he shot, but one steal, one block, only one turnover, but one assist, had a couple rebounds. He wasn't like the most glowing Jeff Green performance because the missed threes are pretty loud, especially with as open as they are. But I did think that he played well. Like Mike Malone said it last night too. He played well despite the fact that he missed outside shots, and like you're not going to be able to control that. I think that there's going to be times where Jeff Green goes two of two from three. There's going to be times like last night where he goes zero of three. But his defense, when he was on cap, was still very good. He had a couple fouls that probably, like, he probably shouldn't have had uh, just leaning on cap a little bit too much. But his ability to switch and do a whole bunch of stuff is great. Like, it shows a lot of, gro- like, not growth, but like, it shows that he was kind of sandbagging in the regular season a little bit. Like, there's some things that he was saving in the bag. And for a 35-year-old like Jeff Green, 
it's not a surprise, or at least it shouldn't really surprise anybody that, hey, can't do a whole bunch uh, from a physical perspective in the regular season and expect to have a lot in the tank left in the playoffs. Jeff Green wants this. He did everything that he needed to do, and his versatility on both ends of the floor, I thought, really stood out. He's going to be a big part of this. I think him, Bruce Brown, and Christian Brown was the right grouping from Michael Malone when it comes to who's going to play the most minutes off the bench. I think that Bruce and Christian probably should play more minutes in general, and there should be more sliding Michael Porter Jr. to the four than there has been in the past, although we did get to see that group or that that look in the second quarter last night. But I do think that Jeff fits in there well. And I think that like his overall mentality, it, it raises his game in the playoffs. He raises his intensity and like just stands out that how well that he's done, how well he continues to push forward like with this is he's in a great place. And I can see a lot of people being critical of the miss threes, but Denver's got to have their stars make threes. They've got to have their stars perform in that way, and they did last night with uh, MPJ, Aaron Gordon even, Jamal Murray, and KCP. Like, those guys hit threes. I think that Christian Brown's going to have to hit threes at some point, too. Jokic will have to take some threes, let alone make them. But Jeff stepping up where he did, really good stuff. The chase down block that he had on Kyle Anderson, where Kyle tried to hold the ball away from him, and keep it away, and Jeff just jumped over him and still blocked the shot. Really impressive physical play, and I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan of what he did, and, and I hope he continues to put that up because there's a lot to like there. Last, DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre only really played, I think, because of foul trouble. I know that there was, there was a quote that I tweeted from Michael Malone after the game where he talked about, hey, Rudy, Rudy Gobert's out there. I think that's a good matchup for us, which, hilarious. That's a pretty funny quote, given that you're talking about DeAndre Jordan and Rudy Gobert. But it's true. It's true. With the way that Rudy Gobert is playing right now, it's not good. Back spasms have clearly, I think, sapped a lot of the athleticism that he had. And the way that DeAndre played last night, it wasn't, he didn't do anything crazy. And if anything, it was kind of average. In, in terms of what he actually contributed. But the two lobs that he caught, the assists that he had, and just the overall level of defense that he played in, in playing the drop scheme, and Denver, I think, did a good job of facilitating good offense in that, or good defense with that. It was great stuff. It's great stuff. He doesn't have to do anything crazy out there, and the fact that he only played six minutes and, and made a small contribution, that helps. That helps Denver get through it. They don't need to play... Nikola Jokic, 40 minutes a night. They don't, or at least if they can help it. There are other things that they can do in those non-Jokic minutes, and I thought that DeAndre was ready. thought that DeAndre did a great job stepping up to the plate where it mattered. And I'm excited for what Game 2 is going to look like because it may not include DeAndre at all. It may be completely different, and we're just going to have to cross that bridge when we come to it. But... For DeAndre to step up in that moment, it shows the professionalism. It shows the trust that Michael Malone and the Nuggets have. And you could tell, like Jamal said last night in the postgame, that he let he loves to throw lobs to DeAndre 
and get him involved because what he does, and this is kind of an intrinsic thing that fans don't really fully understand all the time. When guys are so good to you in practices, behind the scenes, as a teammate, good teammates, like your teammates want those good teammates to do well. And so everybody wants DeAndre Jordan to have some success and to be able to throw a couple of those lobs and and get him involved and, and have some really fun moments out there. I think everybody was really excited about that. You know, the entire arena, like, it's chanting along to the go DJ, it's your DJ, like soundbite that plays from Nuggets PA. Like it was a lot of fun. And to see him be successful at that shows the vision of what Denver can have in those non-Jokic minutes. They don't always have to go small. They don't always have to go big. They can play it by matchup. And that's exactly how it's got to be. You just got to fill in where you need to. And DeAndre just did that last night. Awesome. Let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, some other details that I liked in game one, as well as just why setting the tone is so important in a situation like this. But first, everybody, I'm going to be on uh, Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar this afternoon. From I'm, I'm going to be on there at 3 o'clock. Make sure to go check out their show. Uh, in case you haven't already heard, Colorado sports legend Sandy Clough is back on Denver Airwaves right here on Mile High Sports. Uh, They're going to be on from 2 to 4 on MHS Radio. You can listen live on the MHS mobile app, which I think everybody should download because my articles come out there as well. Uh, 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD3. You can stream the video version along uh, of the show on milehighsports.com as well as on Twitter. And I'll I'll be sure to retweet some links there so everybody knows. Plus, Each episode of Sandy and Sean is available to you on demand in podcast form. So please search Sandy and Sean wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. All right, we're back. Final segment here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Really appreciate all the love and support on the pod, folks. If you can, please give a like to this YouTube video. We are doing great trying to expand the MHS YouTube. And I do think like we've we've grown this channel so much ever since I started on the uh, podcast side of things and then doing the, the YouTube side of things. So been really great to see, really excited to see where this continues to go throughout the playoff run, and hopefully we can, we can continue to grow this show. It should be a lot of fun. Oh man, we've got a we've got the got a Lakers fan in the chat. This is I this is this is not good, folks. Uh, ignore the Lakers fan. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, some details I liked in Game One. Just quick things that I think are important for this particular game. I liked switching everything versus Cat and making him think. Denver didn't do that all the time, but in the moments where they did, especially with the bench, especially when Jokic wasn't out there, Denver did what they could to make him think and get him out of his comfort zone. Because a lot of times he'll he'll abuse drop coverage because he's a pick-and-pop big. He'll hit those threes. He's one of the best shooting big men of all time. And... 
I do think that when things become a little bit more difficult for him is when it's switching. I remember back a few years ago when he was last back in the playoffs against the Houston Rockets. The 2018 Houston Rockets were so good at switching that they basically made Cat like completely irrelevant in that series. And obviously he's grown since that time. He's, it was five years ago is what I'm actually talking about. But the same still applies. And I, I think I've seen that at least in, in some of these games where I remember against the Lakers in that, in that play-in game, the 7-8 matchup, the Lakers did a great job of switching everything against them. And then in the fourth quarter, their defensive effort really tightened up. They did a lot of good things. And Cat really kind of lost it. Like, they were, like he was playing so well throughout that game and just kind of lost his mojo. The most important thing you can do is make things difficult and make, make people think as opposed to just doing on the basketball court. And for Cat to be able to, like, he had a horrible game. This last game, 5 of 15, 1 of 7 from 3. You can't really expect that to continue, uh, at least from the full perspective of, hey, this is uh, this is not going to be, like, I don't know. It's, it's going to be way different in general, I think. But I think he'll be better. I think he will be better in game two. They will continue to see some different looks, and Cat will get adjusted. But he had four turnovers last night was only a minus 11 in his 30 minutes. The minutes that Denver actually won were Rudy Gobert's, where 26 minutes minus 28 in 26 minutes. And that was partially the DJ minutes. That was partially when Jokic was out there because Jokic could just guard Gobert. And there wasn't as much of a lob threat in the pick and roll with Rudy Gobert, especially with those back spasms, as there had been previously. So it is nice to see Denver have that success. And I think the way that they played against those two bigs, switching everything versus Cat, trying to make Rudy Gobert as obsolete as they could, attacking him on the offensive end, but also just they, they respected him enough on the defensive end to make it so that Minnesota wasn't even really looking there by the end of it. So that's an exciting place to be for Denver. And I'm just looking forward to seeing what they do in game two. Next. Getting Murray and MPJ going by the end of the game, this is one of those things where I turn to Ryan Green, who is sitting next to me. He's a a videographer for DNBR. And I said, these minutes do matter, even though they're up 30, because it's going to give Jamal Murray an opportunity to get right from a shooting perspective. And lo and behold, he did. Lo and behold, he looked really good in that moment. And I think that Denver is really, like, they're really excited about where this is going to go, because I think everybody knew that he was not rattled, but like like very pent up uh, from an, an aggression and a adrenaline perspective and wanting to do like he, he's so competitive and, and wants to be as good as he possibly can be. But he was three of 10 at half. And then at one point he was, I think, four of 16 or so and just hadn't really found his shooting rhythm. But then he finishes the game nine of 22 which means if he was 4 of 16 at one point, I think it was 5 of 17 at one point, so found that shooting rhythm, still found ways to be active, and I think he's setting himself up well to get accustomed to what playoff basketball is going to be like. 
And Michael Porter, same thing. Just the way that he wasn't shooting, he wasn't shooting great at the beginning, but Denver still looked for him in those moments. They found some easier shots for him at times, and like, man, he just took advantage of every single opportunity that he got, especially in the second half. Uh, the dude is an elite shooter. He's fantastic, and I, I feel really good about where those two are at. Uh, Michael Porter, especially physically, but Murray. Like it looked like he was making some odd decisions in that first half and then settled down. The defense was great throughout. I think Porter's defense is still a little bit spacey, but I mean, hard to really complain. Like, never had they still have 80 points. Like, it's hard to really complain about anybody on the defense of that. And finally, Jokic and Aaron Gordon at 28 and 23 minutes, respectively, is a great thing for Denver. Keeping those minutes down early on in the playoffs, knowing that it's just going to get more difficult from here, Denver's going to have some wars. They're going to have wars with Minnesota. Like some of those, like these matchups are going to be very physical, and Minnesota's not going to be going lightly. I do think that Denver has an advantage here in this series, and I think that if they win game two, then it sets them up really, really well to just, hey, you, you don't have to win both games in Minnesota, but it would be cool if you did. If you just win one and then you're up 3-1 going back to Denver, then I think Minnesota probably crumples a little bit because I'm not sure how mentally tough that team actually is. But I do think that Denver, if they can hold down Jokic's and Aaron Gordon's minutes as much as possible. I've talked about this before. There is a certain threshold that you reach from a minutes perspective on the season. And those minutes that Denver plays in the playoffs are like two or three more times two or three times more physical and more demanding and more mentally taxing than regular season minutes are. So keeping them down for those guys that play a very physical brand of basketball and Jokic and AG, that's going to really help Denver. That's going to help them and prolong their ability to be as good and active and great, like just fantastic as they were. So hopefully that continues. Hopefully Denver can continue to lower their their minute totals as much as possible and still come out with wins. I do want to talk about one more thing before we talk about game two. The tone in this one was, it was set very early. And I thought that Denver punched, like because of the way that they punched first, and I'm going to keep using that pun, because of the way that they punched first, I don't think that Minnesota was particularly ready for that. It's funny that Cat had the soundbite that he did, where he was like he was talking about the the scouting reports that they were getting from the Denver guys that were here previously, and uh, Tim Connolly and Chris Finch and Micah Nori and Austin Rivers and all those guys. It's so funny that that scouting report was very very outdated, and Jokic I thought set the tone early on in this game. I thought that Denver as a team wasn't backing down and the, the way that they defended as physically and, and attentively as they did, it showed Minnesota the level that they have to get to. And it also showed Minnesota the level that Denver can get to whenever they want to. And that's in your that's in the back of your head always, if you are a team. If you remember back to last year, where Denver got just absolutely eviscerated by the death lineup in Golden State, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green. That lineup, Denver could not stop. And it became a thing. It became a thing that people talked about. It became a thing that Denver had to 
really focus on. And it took so much of their energy and effort in the first four games just to get one win that they had nothing left to really give in game five. Like they, they were great defensively, but they scored like 90 points. And Jokic was really good in that game from an offensive perspective. And he carried, but nobody else really had anything to give physically. So I think that the tone matters a ton in this matchup because if you're a one seed and you allow an eight seed to think that they can compete, then it makes it more difficult for you. It gives them more confidence. It gives the opposing team opportunities to creep in and say, hey, if we just get one win in Denver, just one win, then we can win the series. We could extend this thing. And that's the last thing that Denver wants. They don't want Minnesota to feel like they can win. They don't want Minnesota to feel like they have any chance at all. The best thing for Denver is if they hit them in the mouth early on so many times that it takes them so much effort to just get one win in Minnesota, let alone two. And if you're Denver, setting this tone matters for not just for the other team, but for yourselves, where you get to show everybody just how good you can be, that you were sandbagging in the regular season, that, yeah, you know that stretch that we had in March and April? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all, like because they weren't trying as hard. And you can see the change in the focus, in the attentiveness, in the physicality, in the intensity, in everything. And for Denver to have the performance that they had, it's really exciting. That's a really exciting place for Denver to be. And I think it shows the levels to this that they can get to. It shows the levels that they are going to need to continue to get to uh, going forward. So Denver has this level. And Minnesota is going to know that. Other teams are going to know that. Minnesota knows that they've got to reach that level in order to keep Denver even. So we're going to see what happens when... This app when this when they get to that level going forward because I think that Denver is going to find more ways to get to that level physically and mentally. I don't know if Minnesota is going to be able to match. I don't know if they are going to be able to fully uh, reach that level themselves because they're just not as talented of a team. I've talked about how they're more talented than Nuggets fans want to think. Like Carl Anthony Towns is probably not going to be as bad as he was. They're probably going to shoot better. They're probably going to play better just from a, a game plan perspective. Denver surprised them with how well that they knew their game plan, in uh, how well they knew Minnesota's game plan. I don't think that Minnesota was as prepared for what Denver could do as, as I think they thought they were. So that'll be different in game two. But the most important thing that the Nuggets can do in this is to raise their level even more. For Jokic to, instead of taking 12 shots, to take 20 shots and just go right at Carl Anthony Towns. Tell him that, hey, you can't stop me. You have to bring double teams. And if you bring double teams, then the rest of the team is getting wide open threes. If Denver can make that happen and can capitalize on that, it puts the Minnesota Timberwolves at such a disadvantage going back to game three. Then hey, like they're, they're going to be in a world of hurt if that happens. So... I don't want to just say I don't want to just say that uh Denver can't do this. Or not, not Denver can like, I don't want to just say that it's going to happen. Like Denver's not gonna sweep this team, I don't think. It's hard to be as physically and mentally engaged as Denver was in game one for four straight games. There will be a let up here or there. There will be momentum that Minnesota captures in Minnesota at some point. 
And there's no telling what's actually going to happen. But I do think that this was a great sign that the Nuggets were just getting out in front of this. They didn't let Minnesota punch first. They didn't let them, like they didn't absorb that contact and try to counter the way that they usually do in previous series. Like this was a different team. This was a different mentality than what the Nuggets have previously had. And for them to punch as hard as they did, as early on as they did, that's an exciting thing for Nuggets fans. So we will see what ultimately happens. But for now, I think that is going to do it on this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Uh, sorry about the initial uh, the initial issues that we had trying to just get this to go. But I'm pretty happy with where Denver's at. I think that they are going to be in a great place going forward. And I'm hopeful that the Nuggets can bring that same energy and intensity in Game 2 of the series and put Minnesota back on their heels as often as possible. Uh, podcast will be going live tomorrow as well, probably at around the same time, maybe a little bit later in the afternoon, but we're going to find out good ways to uh, provide good content for everybody. And I'm really excited for where this is going to go. Hopefully everybody's excited about this game. I'm excited. I know everybody else should be. Job's not done. It never will be. Got to keep working. Hopefully can keep working through June. Should be a lot of fun. Everybody hit that like button on the way out. Do everything you can to support the channel, support the show. And I hope everybody has a great rest of your day. Should be a good one on this Monday after a big Nuggets win. Go Nuggets!